Hi, and welcome this day. So glad you have chosen to join us. We are delving into, we're starting the Advent series, and it's looking at the gifts that God has given us. How do we access those gifts so that we thrive? And today, we are going into this question of how do you cope with holiday pressures? How do you deal with the expectations of this season? Right? How do you handle those complex emotions, those moments of family dynamics? How do you handle the situations that arise because of Thanksgiving and Christmas and everything in between? How do we handle those things well? So today we are looking at a couple of scriptures, one out of Deuteronomy, the other out of Luke. Deuteronomy is coming from a place of Moses' teaching. The, the Israelites are in the wilderness. They're in that moment of complaining. They don't like it, all kinds of things. And Moses is responding. He is teaching. He's trying to guide, trying to help them understand how they are connected to God still. And then Jesus is also teaching the people around him, the Pharisee, all those that would listen about how do you deal with this highly complex situation when everybody's kind of up in arms, like they don't like it, how do we deal with it? And so both of those are um, to help guide us in our own situations, in how do we deal in this moment, in this time, how do we deal with ourselves and with others? So before we begin, let us pray. Oh God, as we come to this moment with all of our burdens, our anxieties, our expectations, our disappointments, everything that we carry into this season, help us, oh God, to know how you are guiding us. May the scripture we read today inspire us in how we live and how we respond in the ways that we show up and conduct ourselves. Amen. So beginning in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 14, and then 16 through 18. Don't become arrogant, forgetting the Lord your God, the one who rescued you from Egypt, from the house of slavery, the one who fed you manna in the wilderness, which your ancestors had never experienced, in order to humble and test you, but in order to do good to you in the end. Don't think to yourself, my own strength and abilities have proceeded, produced all this prosperity for me. Remember the Lord your God. He's the one who gives you the strength to be prosperous in order to establish the covenant he made with your ancestors. And that's how things stand right now. All right, so Moses is saying, hey, remember how God has been with you through all of these really difficult situations, through all of these times where you didn't know what was going to happen, you're anxious, you're feeling like that fear is just kind of closing in, the burden seems too heavy, and yet God has been there leading and guiding. So he's reminding them of looking to the past, the importance of looking to the past so that they can respond to the future. But then Moses also gets into this whole thing about, hey, 
When you prosper, know that that comes from the strength of God. When good things happen, that is also God. God is present in that moment. And last week we talked a bit about how God gives us strengths, abilities, gifts to get through really complicated situations. And here Moses is saying, hey, remember and focus on what's really important here. Focus on the fact that God is giving you the strength, the ability to do good. Don't forget God. Be grateful for how God is guiding, how God is with you. It reminds me a little bit of that song that's popular right now by Jelly Roll. Those lyrics of it that says, I only talk to God when I need a favor and I only pray when I ain't got a prayer. So it's that reminder, which Moses is trying to do, that when things are going well, we think we don't need God. That, you know what, if something good happens, I must have done it myself. We forget that God's present with us. We forget that God has given us gifts and abilities to respond to our situations. And so Moses is like, all right, let's not forget that. Let's be grateful for how God is present through the difficult times and through the good times. And when we're thinking about that, of how we are navigating this season, to recognize there are good times, right? There are times where we feel that joy and that peace and that hope. And we feel like God's presence is with us and good things are happening. And to be reminded of how God is with us then, just as how God is with us when things are adding up, like those disappointments, those burdens of this season, that grief even. Right. Of going, all right, God does not abandon us at any point, whether it's good, whether we are struggling. God is with us. So the beginning of a foundation of when we're moving into this season of going, all right, I've got to show up for family dinner. I've got to deal with this. I've got these expectations that are piling up of going, wait a minute, how is God guiding me through these moments? whether they are the most joyful or the most difficult. Continuing on, it, now we're switching over to Luke. And this is where Jesus is talking to those around him, verses 31 through 35. To what will I compare the people of this generation, Jesus asked. What are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace calling out to each other. We played the flute for you and you didn't dance. We sang a funeral song and you didn't cry. John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, he has a demon. Yet the human one came eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a drunk, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved to be right by all her descendants. All right, so what Jesus is saying here is, you're invited to dance, and you say, nope, don't want that, I want to cry. You're invited to cry, and you say, no, nope, I don't want that. I want to I want to dance that nothing is good enough that nothing works it's that moment of recognizing that people are going to complain and sit in their misery and then with the words about John and Jesus that the haters are going to hate like they're going to hate on no matter what good no matter what is done and to think about that of the season seems to bring out the best and the worst of people. 
and to think through how that complaining, how that misery actually distracts us from the focus of what is good, where God is guiding, how good things can come out of where there is love, how God is soothing us, how God is caring for us and caring for others. Complaining and misery is like an addiction where it is all consuming to the individual. And not only does it consume the individual, but it comes out of the individual and then begins to impact others. And that complaining and misery actually is dismissing the grace of Jesus. It is silencing the grace of Jesus. Like it, it says, nope, impossible. Complaining and misery is like this stoppage of God is not here. There is nothing good. God can't possibly be guiding us through. And to think about that. And maybe we struggle with it with ourselves. Or maybe we see others spiraling into that. And so those questions become, well, how do we respond? How do we maybe redirect the conversation? How do we draw boundaries and become a conduit for God's grace instead of getting sucked in, getting stuck in that complaining and misery cycle that is all consuming, that silences the grace of Jesus, that silences the grace of God. And when we're thinking about grace, Grace is an all-encompassing term, and it holds a lot of different aspects. Grace holds forgiveness and mercy. It holds love. It is dignity. It is a change agent, a beautifying moment. Grace is favor. Grace is saying things are possible. So all these different aspects of grace come into play no matter our situation, whether it's good or whether it's not. And are we focused on where that grace, not only for ourselves, but for others, especially when things begin to get complicated, when we feel that complaining, that misery, maybe from ourselves or for someone else, of how are we inviting grace into our lives, are focusing on where that grace is, or are we in the tendency of silencing, dismissing, and it is impossible for ourselves or for someone else? Continuing on in verses 36 through 39, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to eat with him. After he entered the Pharisee's home, he took his place at the table. Meanwhile, a woman from the city, a sinner, discovered that Jesus was dining in a, the Pharisee's house. She brought perfumed oil in a vase made of alabaster. Standing behind him at his feet and crying, she began to wet his feet and her tears. She wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured the oil on them. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw what was happening, he said to himself, this man were a prophet. He would know what kind of woman is touching him. He would know that she is a sinner. So this is a really complex situation here. The Pharisee, the Pharisees are known for having a particular way of looking at scripture. And if you disagree with the particular way that they look at scripture, they are judgmental. They like come for you. And so they're coming for Jesus constantly. They're always pointing out how wrong he is. They're trying to set traps and catch him in things. 
And so it's kind of interesting, right? Jesus shows up to dinner because he is invited. And it's a reminder of how Jesus sits at table with all kinds of people. Whether we are expecting it or not, whether the people of the ancient world say that's good, that's not, whether whatever their expectations are, Jesus shows up and is going to have a meal, sit at table with a Pharisee who he knows the Pharisees generally are rather judgmental. And that sense of being judgmental also starting to silence that grace, right? We move from, all right, the complaining and the misery, and now we're moving into this section of the story where the Pharisee becomes extraordinarily judgmental because the Pharisee's like, I got this all figured out, and, you know, I'm better than, I've got better than, and maybe we know people like that. Maybe that's one of the reasons why this time period, why this season stresses us out. Because we've got people who are being judgmental or we are fearful of the judgment that might come. We're fearful of what could be said, of what could happen. And here we see it beginning to play out. And not only do we have the complexity just in general of the Pharisee, being judgmental of the Pharisee. Is he setting a trap for Jesus? What in the world is going on? But now we get another piece, another piece to complicate the story for a woman shows up and begins to care for Jesus, begins to wash his feet, shows an act of kindness and compassion. She oils, she wets his feet with her tears and she is washing his feet. And what does the Pharisee do? Passage judgment. Yeah, whoever this guy is, if he knew what kind of woman she was, this whole thing about she's a sinner. Now, it's important for us to realize that her sin is never disclosed in Scripture. It is one of those earlier church traditions for some of making her a prostitute, but we don't actually know that. What we know is she's a sinner and all of us have sinned and fallen short. All of us struggle with something. None of us are perfect. And a reminder of how none of us are perfect. And so to be careful that as we think we've got it figured out, as we think we've got it all put together, that maybe we don't because all of us struggle with something. And here... The Pharisee so easily goes, well, I don't struggle with that, so she must be a sinner. And so Jesus is going to have to respond to this, right? Jesus is going to have to respond in a way that helps everybody go, wait a minute, how, what am I missing? What new perspective do I need on this situation? And for ourselves, what new perspective do we need on those moments during this season that are highly frustrating, that really are dismissive of God's grace? What are those things that we need to allow in that are of God that challenge us? Because whether it is somebody being hard on ourselves, on us, or we're just being really hard on ourselves. 
of being judgmental of ourselves or of others or others being judgmental, right? That whole complex situation of going, wait a minute, what new perspective do I need in this moment? Whether we are on the receiving end, on the giving end of it, what is the new perspective that is need because all of us struggle in some way? And so Jesus responds with, in verses 40 through 43, Jesus replied, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, speak, he said. A certain lender had two debtors. One owed enough money to pay 500 people for a day's work. The other owed enough money for 50. When they couldn't pay, the lender forgave the debts of them both. Which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the largest debt canceled. Jesus said, you have judged correctly. All right, so that's a moment, right? So Jesus goes into like, all right, this is an opportunity to teach, to give a different perspective. And so he addresses the Pharisee whose name is Simon. And he tells Simon this story. And Simon immediately picks up on forgiveness, and on the importance of forgiveness and that when sometimes we feel so burdened by whatever it is that we are struggling with, that when we get relief from it, it changes us. Part of an aspect of grace is forgiveness, but another aspect that Jesus is highlighting is love. And love produces grace. So the love of God produces grace for us. Nothing we can do to stop that love, to stop that grace, that God loves and gives us grace. But here's the other side of that, that grace then produces love within ourselves. So when he says, which of them will love him more, that grace changes them, that that grace and forgiveness changes the person so that all of a sudden that love comes pouring forth. And Simon recognizes this. Simon says, I suppose the one who had the largest debt canceled, who received the most forgiveness, who, who felt the burden lightened the most, it changed them and propelled them into loving others. And it's, this whole thing is highlighted by what Anne Lamont says. She's a writer about grace. She says, I do not at all understand the mystery of grace, only that it meets us where we are, but does not leave us where it found us. When we allow grace, when we recognize the grace in our lives, when we recognize how all of us have been forgiven, it begins to produce love. It begins to change how we interact with one another, how we interact with the world around us. It begins to change our perspectives, how we are engaging with others. And so Jesus is trying to say, hey, Simon, when you experience that, it's not just about someone else, but hey, Simon, when you experience that forgiveness, when you experience that grace, it changes you. It allows you to love in new and exciting ways. So for ourselves, do we recognize those places in our lives where we need forgiveness, where we can identify and be like, yeah, I need forgiveness in. Do we struggle 
with allowing that forgiveness. And, and it may be forgiving ourselves. Like it may not be about forgiving others. Maybe it is. But in forgiving ourselves of how do we allow that forgiveness into our lives? How do we allow the forgiveness in so that we can know grace, so that we can be changed in new and exciting ways, so that when we're dealing with this season, when we're dealing with the pressures and the expectations, when we're dealing with the family dynamics, when we're dealing with all of the emotions, how are we allowing grace to change us? to change our responses, the way that we see the world, the way that we see others, the way that we experience the world from a perspective of God's grace instead of everything that's wrong, instead of everything that isn't what we want it to be. How are we allowing God's grace to change us in new and exciting ways? Continuing on, In verses 44 through 50, Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? When I entered your home, you didn't give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has poured perfumed oil on my feet. This is why I tell you that her many sins have been forgiven. So she has shown great love. The one who is forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other table guests began to say among themselves, who is this person that even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So now Jesus it responds directly to Simon. He's told this story. Simon has gone, yeah, there was forgiveness. It was the most forgiveness, right? And Jesus is like, okay, you didn't even pay attention to regular, normal hospitality rules of the day, Simon. And yet this woman has gone above and beyond. And so it's, uh, Jesus is going, you're focused on the wrong thing, Simon. You're focused on the wrong thing. And it's so easily easy for us to get focused on the wrong thing in this season, to get focused on the things that we don't like, the way that we think it should happen, on the disappointments, on the expectations that we actually miss what is most important in this season that the woman recognizes and is showing a great deal of gratitude for. That grace that love, that forgiveness has changed her, is shifting her, is giving her a new perspective, and she is going above and beyond. She feels that gratitude welling up within her, and yet there are still others. Haters are going to hate. They're going to complain. They're going to poke at, they're going to like try to nitpick, try to nag, right? And we can just feel whether or not we are doing it to ourselves or someone's doing it to us or we witness it being done to others. How silencing of God's grace that is, of how it has us focused on what really doesn't matter when we get stuck in those mindsets. And here Jesus is like, but there's a different one. 
He's inviting. Jesus is inviting Simon into a different mindset, into a different way of operating, into a different way of seeing and experiencing the world. And it's interesting because as Jesus explains all of this, as there are other people around the table, they're witnessing, they're hearing, they still say, who is this person that even forgives sins? Because Jesus says to the woman, after all this pushback, your sins are forgiven. Your burden is lightened. Like, there is a way forward. God's forgiveness is with you. And the others around are like, who are you to say that? Silencing. Trying to silence Jesus. And at the same time, saying that that woman is not worthy of forgiveness, is not worthy of God's grace. How we are showing up in this season. Are we showing up with a sense of forgiveness, of grace, of being able to celebrate in gratitude, those things? Are we showing up with everything that is wrong, of the complaining, of the misery, of being focused on the wrong things, of not recognizing how God is with us in the difficulty and in the joy? And Jesus, it, it responds to that negativity, to that dismissing of God's grace, when he says, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Your confidence in God's presence has transformed your life and lifted those burdens off of you. Now go in peace, go and celebrate. Jesus directs the woman to go in peace. And so when we're dealing with the complexity, are we able to allow that grace into our lives to allow us to go in peace, to allow us to love in new ways, to allow us to be able to gain a perspective of this situation, to be able to let go of certain things? How are we allowing the words of Jesus to show us a new direction, to guide us in new ways? so that we can live through this season in all of its complexity, in all of its joys, in all of its griefs, in all of its disappointments and expectations, how we can live through this season in peace. How will we allow the things that got said in Deuteronomy by Moses, those teachings of, wait a minute, where is God with us? Are you recognizing how God is guiding through this? how God is still with you, how the good things do come from God. How those things of love and peace and joy and wisdom and encouragement and compassion and forgiveness and grace and mercy, how all of that is coming forth from God. How are we accessing it? Are we realizing we're accessing it? And then to think of what Jesus says of starting with 
You know, there are going to be haters. There are going to be complainers. There are going to be people who dismiss God's grace. But are we allowing that forgiveness into our lives? Are we allowing that grace into our lives in such a way that it changes us? It allows that love to pour forth. Even when we may not like the situation, we don't like the circumstances. We are struggling with the expectations that we place upon ourselves, that we place upon others. When we are dealing with those disappointments, how will we be challenged by the words of Jesus? by the way Jesus is guiding us, by the way Jesus is going, I want you to go in peace, live in peace in this season. How will we allow the words of Jesus to challenge us this day as we struggle, as we figure out how to cope, how to deal with those expectations, how to navigate those family dynamics? How will we allow the words of Jesus to shift us and change us so that we might thrive, so that we might know the gifts of God. Amen. 